Let's continue. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا نَنْسُخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ We do not abrogate any verse. أَوْ نُنْسِهَا Or we cause it to forget. نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا Except that we bring something that is better than that. أَوْ مِثْلِهَا Or similar to it. The Bani Israel, the Yahud, they had many objections against the Prophet Sometimes they would come and make fun of him and sometimes they would come and ask questions in order to create doubts in the hearts of the believers, in order to argue with the Prophet So one of the objections that they raised was that you say that this Qur'an is musaddiq. Musaddiq for what? The previous books. It confers the truthfulness of the previous books. We have read this characteristic of the Qur'an so many times already that it is musaddiq. But if you say that it is musaddiq, then why is it that the commands that you have been given in the Qur'an are different from the commands that we have in the Torah? If you say it's the same thing from the same God, then why are the commands different? You might hear this today as well. That somebody says, if you say that you believe in the same God as we do, then why is it that you don't eat pork? Why is it that you don't have alcohol? Or why is it that you have such commands and we don't have them? Or you have different Why do you have to pray five times a day? Why do you have to pray in this manner if you say it's the same thing? It's from the same God. So they raised the same objection. And another objection they raised was that why does it happen that you are following one command and then after that, after some time, it is changed. Meaning that command, that rule is cancelled and you have to do something different instead. Like for example, when the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba, when they migrated to Medina, initially they were commanded to pray salah facing Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? Baytul Maqtas. So that is where they were to follow when praying salah, to face when they were praying salah. But after some time, they were commanded to instead face the Kaaba. The Qibla was changed from Baytul Maqtas to Baytullah. So the Yahud, they said, if this Qur'an is coming from Allah, then why is it that on one day... You know, you're doing one thing and after some time that command is changed. Why is it so? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the answer. The reason is that there's something known as naskh, abrogation. Naskh, nun, sin, khaf, naskh, abrogation. And this is something that happened in the sharia at the time when the Qur'an was being revealed. What is naskh? Inshallah, I will tell you about that, but look at this verse first. We do not abrogate any verse. Nansakh. We do not abrogate any ayah, awnun siha, or we cause it to forget, except that we bring that which is better than it or similar to it. The word nansakh is from nun sinha, and the word nasakh literally means izala, meaning to erase something, to wipe off, to abolish it. What does it mean? To erase, to abolish, to remove something. Secondly, the word nasakh also means a naql, to copy, to transcribe. Something that is written in one place, you copy it off and you write it in another place. So for example, your friend gives you her notes, and what are you doing? You're copying off, you're writing in your book exactly what is written in her book. So you understand what's happening over here? A naql, copying. These are the first two meanings. The third meaning of the word naskh is to replace one thing, to remove one thing and replace it with another. To remove one thing and replace it with another. To take one thing away and bring another in its place. Allah says that we do not erase, we do not remove, we do not annul any command except that we bring something that is better than it. مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ Any verse of the Qur'an is not abrogated أو نُنْسِهَا نُنْسِهَا نُنْسِينْ يَا نِسْيَان What does نِسْيَان mean? To forget something. Something that you knew, something that you remembered, 
it goes away from your memory. You cannot recall it. So, awnunsiha. We replace it with another or we cause it to forget. In either of these two situations, what happens? The verse that has come in its place is what? Na'ti bi khayrim minha. Na'ti is from the root letters Hamza Ta'iyya. Bi khayrim minha. Something better than it. Meaning the new command is better than the previous command. The new verse is better than the previous verse. Awmithliha. Or it is like it. It is similar to it. If it's not better, then at least it is similar. Awmithliha. Naskh is something that happened when the Qur'an was being revealed. And Naskh is abrogation. What is abrogation? The removal of a legal ruling or its words by another rule, by another command in the Sharia. That when a legal command, when a command is removed and another is given in its place. Or that command remains but the words are removed. Or the words remain and the command is removed. So in other words, naskh is of three types. The first type of naskh is that both the words as well as the command cancelled out. For example, in the Qur'an, it was revealed before, Aisha Dilarn has said, that it was revealed that ten sucklings of a baby, meaning when a baby nurses ten times from a woman, then rida is established. Meaning that child is like the son of that woman, even if she's not the birth mother. Are you familiar with the concept of rida? That if a woman nurses another child, then what happens? That child is like her own child, even though she's not the birth mother. She's not the one who gave birth to him. So initially it was revealed that if a child nurses ten times from a woman, then she is like his mother. Then Rudar is established. But later on, it was abrogated. But if you think about it, we don't find this verse in the Qur'an. This command is not there. We don't have to follow this command because now, how many times is it? Five sucklings. Not ten, but five. So the command has been replaced and the verse has also been removed from the Qur'an. So the first type of naskh is which one? The naskh of what? The verse, the words, as well as the command. So write this down. Words and command. Words and rule. Both are cancelled and another is brought in its place. Allah says in the verse that نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ minha. Isn't it better? Before it was ten, now it's five. Isn't that easier? It's much easier. The second type of naskh is that when the recitation, meaning the verse is removed, but the command remains. Meaning the verse was initially revealed, but that verse is not in the Qur'an anymore. It's not recited anymore. But the command is still supposed to be followed. For example, Ayatul Rajm. The verse in which the punishment of Rajm was given. Punishment of Rajm was given. That verse was revealed. But eventually what happened? The verse was cancelled out, meaning it's not recited anymore. However, the command is still applicable. The command is still applicable. The third type of naskh is when the command is cancelled out. However, the verse is still in the Qur'an. The command is cancelled out, but the verse is still in the Qur'an. For example, in the Qur'an, we read the ayah in which it is mentioned that for a woman whose husband has passed away, her idda, her waiting period is for an entire year. It's in the Qur'an. However, the verse is there, but the command has been abrogated. It has been replaced by another command, which is that how long is the idda? 
Four months and ten days. So Allah says, نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا Imagine if a moon had to wait for an entire year. How difficult it would be. But now how much is it? Four months and ten days. So isn't it better? It is better. So Allah says over here, that مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ Any ayat that we abrogate. أَوْ نُنْسِهَا Or we cause it to be forgotten. Meaning the Prophet ﷺ, he's made to forget that verse completely. Completely. So he cannot recite it. So in other words, the verse has been lifted. The verse has been lifted. So in that case, Allah says, نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا Whatever command that we give in return, then that command is always better. أَوْ مِثْلِهَا Or it is similar to it. How is it better? Better for who? Better for the people. In which way? That first of all, the command may be easier. For example, the iddah reduced from one year to four months and ten days. Secondly, it's better how? That it brings more reward. It brings more reward. And thirdly, we see that it shows the true submission of the believer. It shows the true submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That whatever Allah says, I will do. He tells me to do this, I will do it. He tells me to do something different, I will do that instead. Because if a person says that no, I like to face Jerusalem in salah, and if he refuses to face the Qaytullah, then what is he following? Is he following his desire or is he following Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He's following his desire. So the true submission of the believer is manifested. That this person is truly a sincere believer and he is a devout servant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So na'ti bi minha. Allah says, Alam ta'alam, do you not know that anna allaha ala kulli shay'in qadeer? That indeed Allah is over all things qadeer. Qadeer is from the root qaf dal ra. Allah has qudra. And what is qudra? It's the opposite of ridz. Ridz is inability. But qudra is perfect ability. So Allah is the one who has perfect ability to carry out whatever He wants. So when Allah has absolute qudra and He can do whatever He wants in the heavens and the earth, then why can He not change the command that He has revealed? If you think about it, winter comes, it is replaced by spring, that is replaced by summer, that is replaced by fall, that is replaced by winter. So if Allah can bring about these changes, then can He not bring these changes in the laws that He has revealed? Of course He can. He can do whatever He wants to. أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنْ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Of course He is. So when such is the case, then He can command whatever He wants. Now, with regards to the reasons as to why there is abrogation, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abrogate the laws? What's the reason? First of all, we see that this shows that the law, who has complete authority over it? Who has complete and absolute authority over it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This shows to us that the law is Allah's and He can do whatever He wants to. This is why we see that in one place we are commanded that we are only to bow down, prostrate to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we see in another situation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the angels to prostrate before who? Adam alayhi salam. So Allah can give whatever command. Why? Because the command, the amr, it belongs to who? Allah alone. It is Allah's. It is not ours, but whose is it? Allah's. Because whatever belongs to you, can you change it? Of course. Can you do whatever you want to with it? Yeah. The second benefit, the second reason is that in order to gradually reveal the sharia, in order to gradually reveal the commands, because if the final commands were given at first, 
then it will be very difficult for the believers to accept and follow. For example, when it comes to alcohol, we know that the Arab society, alcohol was very common there. People drunk like anything. It was very, very common. If initially the believers were told, alcohol is haram, you think it would be possible for them? It would be extremely, extremely difficult. We know the people who are drug addicts or people who are alcoholics, how difficult it is for them to get out of that. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the command gradually. Initially, the believers were told, there is some benefit in alcohol, but the sin is greater. The harm is greater than the benefit. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that when you are in the state of intoxication, then don't pray salah. Obviously, a person who likes to drink, if he is drinking and he has a hangover or whatever, and he's drunk or he's in that state for hours and hours, is he not going to end up missing his salah if he's not allowed to pray at that time? So this limited the alcohol intake. And then eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses which completely forbid its consumption. So to gradually reveal the commands. Another benefit, another reason, it's to test the believers. Who is truly following the messenger, truly obedient to Allah, and who is it that is just following his desires? Then fourthly, another benefit is that the new command is more beneficial. But the previous one also had to be given for its own reasons. But the new command is more beneficial. Another reason is to lighten the burden that initially difficulty was created and then the burden, the difficulty was reduced. For example, in the Qur'an we learn that the believers were told that if you ever have to go for battle against those who come to fight against you, then one from among you is sufficient to fight a hundred from amongst them. What was expected of a believer? To be enough to fight against how many? One hundred. He reduced the ratio from one to hundred to one to ten. Okay? So it is to lighten the burden as well. And there are many other benefits which inshallah you can learn from any Rumul Qur'an book or class course that you take inshallah. Then what do we learn from this verse? First of all, we learn that nasq, abrogation. This is something that is real. This is something that is actual. It happened in our sharia. And it is something that is logical. It makes complete and perfect sense. So the Yahud, they had an objection that why is it that you do one thing one day and then you're doing another thing the other day? It's not that the believers are following their desires. No. There is benefit in it. There is reasons in it. And it's perfectly logical. It's perfectly logical that you give one instruction to somebody and then you change that eventually afterwards. For example, it's quite possible that you guys, at the beginning of the course, you are told that you are having practice test first and then the actual test. And then eventually there will be no practice tests. There will be only actual tests. You might say, then why were we given a practice test earlier? It has its own reasons. And then eventually, the instructions are changed over time. It's logical. It makes sense. Secondly, we learn in this verse that whatever new command Allah gives is always better than the previous one. Another benefit that we learn in this verse is that when Allah is capable of changing the hissi, physical things, then He also has the ability to change the commands that He has given. Let's listen to the recitation. مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ أَوْ نُنْسِهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا أَوْ مِثْلِهَا أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ Do you not know 
تر ان اللہ تر انڈیڈ اللہ لہو ملک السما واتی بلانگز دمینین آف دا ہیونس اینڈ The entire heavens and the earth, skies and the earth. As-samawat is a plural of sama. So all of the skies and the entire earth, whose possession is it? Who owns it? Allah owns it. So when Allah owns the heavens and the earth, the skies and the earth, and everything between them, and everything within them, then does He not have authority to change whatever commands He has given? Of course He does. وَمَا لَكُمْ And you do not have مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Besides Allah مِن وَلِيٍّ أَنِي وَلِي وَلَا نَصِيرٍ Nor any helper Notice Allah says that He has the mulk of the samawat and the ard In what sense does Allah have mulk over samawat and ard? In three ways First of all He has complete possession of the heavens and the earth Meaning of the things Of the heavens, whatever is within The earth, whatever is within. Meaning Allah is the one who owns them. So for example, you have a pen. And you said this pen is mine. It's your possession. So the heavens and the earth, whose possession are they? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, that He has complete mulk, complete authority, ownership of even their attributes. Their characteristic. The characteristics of what? The skies and the earth. So He can change whatever. He can do whatever He wants to with them. For example, if you have a pen that is blue. Do you have mulk over changing it to red? No. It's blue, it will remain blue. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns the heavens and the earth, can He change them however He wants to? Yes. For example, the tree is green, and the next time you see it, orange. And the next time you see it, it's completely bare. He can change the attributes as well. Similarly, us, our bodies, who owns them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns them. But what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes our bodies to grow, and then age, And then finish. So he has complete authority over us and also over our abilities, our characteristics, our traits. And thirdly, in the tadbir, meaning in the planning. So he plans whatever he wants to with his creation. He does whatever he wants to with his creation. Their fate is with who? Allah. He decides it. So, أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُ مُلْكَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن وَلِي وَلَا نَصِيرِ And you have no wali, no nasir besides Allah. Who is wali? Wali is from wa'u lam ya. Wali is the one who befriends, who protects, who takes care of a person and benefits them. What does he do? Benefits them, brings khair to them. For example, a girl. Who is her wali? Generally, technically, her father. So the father is the one who brings good to her. Takes care of her, also brings good to her. Good things to her. Whether it's education or a good husband or whatever. So you have besides Allah no wali to bring anything good to you. Wala nasir. Who is nasir? Noon sadra. Nasara, to help someone. Nasir is the one who helps someone and protects them from evil. Protects them from harm. There is no nasir besides Allah you have. In other words, if Allah withholds something good from you, no one can bring it to you. If Allah sends something evil to you, no one can stop it from reaching you. You have no one besides Allah. Why do you think this is being said? That if a person, he says that, you know, there's naskh in the Qur'an, it doesn't make sense to me. One day one command is given, another day another command is given, forget about it. Then such a person, he is choosing what? Failure for himself. Utter destruction for himself. Because if a person turns away from Allah, then who does he have? 
nothing, nobody. Then he is helpless. Then he is a complete failure. وَمَا لَكُم مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن وَلِيٍّ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ. Allah says, أَمْ تُرِيدُونَ or do you all wish? تُرِيدُونَ رَوَالْدَالْ irada intention to desire something. The believers are being addressed. Or all those people to whom the Prophet ﷺ was sent to are being addressed. Whether it is the believers, or it is the Yahud Nasara, or it is the Mushrikeen. All people are being addressed. That do you intend to, and tas'alu that you ask, seen hamzalam, su'al, question. What does question mean? What is a su'al? To ask someone for an explanation, something that they said doesn't make sense to you, so you ask them a question to clarify what they have said to you. And secondly, su'al is also used for demanding something. So first of all, question. And secondly, demand. So do you all wish to ask, question, demand, Rasulakum from your messenger, Rasul, Rasin Lam. Who is our messenger? Because Allah says, your messenger. Who is he? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Do you wish to ask from your messenger, demand from him, just as kama su'ila Musa, just as Musa alayhi was asked? Who asked him many questions? The Bani Israel. Who demanded many things from him? The Bani Israel. Are you planning to follow their actions? Are you planning to follow their footsteps? In this verse basically, we are being discouraged from asking too many questions or from making demands. We see that the mushrikeen, they would demand a lot of things from the Prophet ﷺ. For example, they would say that we will never believe in you حَتَّى تَفْجُرَ لَنَا مِنَ الْأَرْضِ We will never believe in you until you cause a spring to gush forth from here. When a spring will gush forth, then we will know you're a prophet. We will never believe in you until such and such happens, until such and such happens. As if the Prophet ﷺ was the one who could bring all the goodness in this world to them. They would ask him such questions. They would make such demands from him. Similarly, we see that the Yahud, they would come and ask a lot of questions from the Prophet ﷺ just to test him, just to see if he was really the messenger. Allah is saying, what's wrong with you? You intend to follow the same behavior like that of the Bani Israel before? The way they made so many demands from Musa ﷺ, the way they asked so many questions, are you planning to do the same thing? Don't do that. Because what was the fate of the Bani Israel eventually? Loss. So if you follow their ways, you're going to end up in the same place. The Bani Israel, what kind of questions did they ask from Musa a.s.? We learned in the story of the cow, how they repeatedly said, Udru'u lana rabbak, Udru'u lana rabbak. What kind of demands did they make? Give me an example of the demands that they made from Musa a.s. لَن نُؤْمِنَ لَكَ حَتَّى نَرَ اللَّهَ جَهْرَ حَتَّى نَرَ اللَّهَ جَهْرَ Demand. So Allah says, وَمَن يَتَبَدَّلِ الْكُفْرَ بِالْإِيمَانِ Whoever replaces, whoever changes kufr instead of iman. يَتَبَدَّلْ بَادَ Tabdil. What does that mean? To change something, to replace one thing with another. So whoever replaces, whoever changes iman with kufr, that he had iman, he changes that with kufr. فَقَدْ ضَلَّ سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ Then in fact he is straight from the right way. ضَلَّ ضَرْ لَامْ لَامْ To go straight. Sawa. What does sawa mean? Seen wawiya? To be in the middle. And sabil seen by lam. Way. Sawa as sabil, the middle way. The middle way is the correct way. For example, if you're going on a highway, there are many exits that come that can take you to the right or take you to the left. What is the right way? The middle way. If you want to get to your destination, then you go straight. If you go right and you go off, and you go left and you go off, then are you on the right way? 
you're not on the right way anymore. So whoever goes for disbelief, after belief, whoever replaces iman with kufr, then such a person has gone astray. Meaning that if you ask too many questions, eventually what's going to happen? You're going to lose your faith. And that's going to be replaced with what? With kufr. Just as the Bani Israel, when they asked too many questions, one after the other, when they made too many demands, one after the other, eventually, what did we learn? ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ Then their hearts became extremely hard. That no matter what command was given, they didn't pay attention, they didn't care. No matter what they were shown, it didn't have any impact on them. So in this verse we see that we are being discouraged from asking questions that are irrelevant, that are unnecessary, that instead of benefiting us, may harm us. In our religion, we haven't been told to not ask questions at all, no. We have been encouraged to ask questions that have to do with our amal, that are relevant, that are beneficial. For example, if you don't understand something in the Qur'an, what are you required to do? Ask. We learned that there was a sahabi who had only one problem, only one issue, whose solution he could not find, and he traveled all the way to Medina to ask the Messenger, the answer to that one question. We have been encouraged to ask questions that are relevant to what? Our actions. But something that is not relevant to our actions, meaning we don't really have to do it, then we should avoid such questions. Why? Because they can lead us astray. They can ruin our faith. They can destroy our iman. For example, if a person says, you know, you say that Allah is able to do all things. Atheists, they say, that you say that God is able to do all things. Can He create something that He cannot lift? Can He create something that He cannot lift? What's the point of asking this question? What's the benefit? Is it going to help you pray? Is it going to help you give charity? Is it going to help you be truthful? Is it going to help you be honest? No. It doesn't have anything to do with your actions. But asking this question, what is it going to do? It's going to ruin your iman. It's going to weaken your faith. It's going to make you belittle faith. Because such questions, first of all, they don't make any sense at all. And besides, they have nothing to do with our actions. Nothing at all. So a person must stay away from such things. And these questions, typically they come from who? Those people who have no faith. Those people who have no fear of God. So stay away from such things. These days also it happens. Whenever there's an interfaith dialogue, you're talking to somebody who is not a Muslim, they may ask you some questions which don't matter. And they might make you doubtful. Like recently there was a person who kept on asking me, where did the Prophet ﷺ make money from? Why, you want to apply for the same job? You want to make money in the same way? Honestly, what has that got to do with you? What's the point of asking such questions? What's the benefit? The people who ask such questions, who come up with these apparently clever questions, you know what they want? They want to make you doubtful. They're not settled themselves, and they want to make you doubtful as well. So stay away from such things. Stay away. Always, whenever there's any question at all, asked about the Qur'an, about the Messenger, about anything of the Sharia, always ask, is it going to help me do something? Is it going to help me be a better person? Is it going to help me improve? If it's not, stay away. Why? Because رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيَّ there are some matters of the unseen that we do not know about. Even if we investigate research throughout our lives, we cannot find the answers. We cannot. Because the wahi does not come anymore. 
So what are we to do? Accept Allah as our Lord, Muhammad wasallam as our Messenger, and Islam as our Deen. And this is what we will be questioned about. If a non-Muslim asks us such a question, what do we say? What kind of answer should we give to them? What do you think? How would you answer them? Yes. We can ask them if it benefits them. If you give them the answer, if the answer is actually going to benefit them. We can say, God knows best. I think this is the best answer. And that's probably what I would say. God knows best. Because we have limited knowledge. We have limited abilities. Even if we go through all of the books in this world to find an answer to a particular question, it's quite possible we never reach there. Why? Because mankind never discovered that. There's so many things of the unseen that we don't know about. For example, out there, in the space, in the universe, there's so many things. I remember I watched a video recently about this man, he's a scientist, and he was talking about where we can do research to discover more things. Because apparently it seems that we have discovered everything of this world. But he said there's so many things that we have not discovered. What we know is very less compared to what we don't know. So if this is the case with physical, tangible things, then what about the intangible? What about the non-physical? So just as we accept that yes, there are things out there, I do not know about how they function, how they work, but yeah, I know that they're there. So similarly, when it comes to religion, when it comes to faith, there may be many things that I don't quite understand, however they're there. I saw a picture recently of these two twins who were in the womb of the mother. And one of them said, Do you believe mother is there? We haven't seen her. I don't think she's there. We're inside the mother. We haven't seen the mother. We can't prove there is a mother, given our limited ability. So there is no mother. I don't believe in her. How foolish. Similarly, we are in this world. Our minds, our abilities, our knowledge is very limited. If we say, there is no hereafter, just because we cannot see it, just because we cannot prove it physically, this is being very foolish. So there are many matters of the unseen we don't know about and there's no need to chase that. We should instead try to find out about those things that are relevant to our actions. There are so many things we can learn to improve our manners. So many things we can learn to improve our salah. So many things we can do. But shaitan, he makes us focus on that which is not beneficial. Just to make us worried and get us tangled in things that can waste our time and waste our iman and waste our akhirah. This is why Allah says, وَمَن يَتَبَدِّلِ الْكُفْرَ بِالْإِيمَانِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ Whoever will follow these questions, and you know what's going to happen? He has strayed from the right way. So seek Allah's protection whenever such questions come your way. And always remind yourself, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيًّا Let's listen to the recitation. أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ وَلِيٍّ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ أَمْ تُرِيدُونَ أَنْ تَسْأَلُوا رَسُولَكُمْ كَمَا سُئِلَ مُوسَى مِنْ قَبْلِ وَمَنْ يَتَبَدَّلِ الْكُفْرَ بِالْإِيمَانِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ there was a scholar by the name of Imam al-Sha'bi. And he was asked that if a person does not find anything to break his fast, what should he do? You know what? Just take some sand and put it in your mouth. 
Well, do whatever you find, just put it in your mouth. And Allah knows you can't find anything, right? So he said, you know what? Take some sand, put it in your mouth. So a person asked him, which finger should I use? So he pointed to his pinky toe. Try to get some sand with that toe, the smallest toe, and put it in your mouth. Use your sense. When it comes to worldly matters, we think we're the most smartest people. We don't ask questions. But when it comes to the religion, we pretend as if we're the most foolish people. Use a little bit of sense and ask Allah to guide you and you will find the answers. And those matters that have nothing to do with your actions, just stay away from them.